This is the Happen to Your Career podcast with Scott Anthony Barlow. We help you stop doing work that doesn't fit you, figure out what does, and make it happen. We help you define the work that's unapologetically you, and then go get it. If you're ready to make a change, keep listening. Here's Scott. Here's Scott. Here's Scott. Quitting might just be one of the most overlooked and most useful tools in the process of discovering the work that you were meant to do. When the realization hit Lynn Marie Morsky as a graduate student in multimedia design that she actually loathed coding, a skill that she needed, well, she quit. When being a sports medicine doctor turned out to be a dream job, just not her dream job, she started planning her exit route. Get a list, you know, written or in your head or otherwise, of exactly what you want. And she didn't mean what position. She meant characteristics, just like we were talking about. Yeah. And she said, and just don't let that go. Focus on that. Lynn Marie Morsky is a doctor, lawyer, powerhouse with a multimedia background. She's also a self-described hippie who gushes about things like Burning Mountain Festival and has quit just about every career she started. Here's Dr. Lynn Marie Morsky about her early career. Quitting is something that I've realized over the years is an extremely important tool that is undervalued and in fact kind of devalued and, and looked down upon in our society. But I always thought, no, 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 there's, there's things about quitting that are fantastic. And I always kind of had that secret thought in my head and I had some concepts and ideas built around it. And then one day I was driving and I threw on a, a Freakonomics podcast. And they did an entire episode on quitting that was essentially like hearing a podcast of my own thoughts. And I thought, this, this, is, this is a thing. This is, more people need to know about this. And I was super happy that Freakonomics had done an episode on it. And uh, what listening to that episode did was give me some kind of economic concepts that I could apply to what I always thought about quitting. And when it came time to do my uh, valedictorian speech, I thought, like, what kind of impression? I, I want this to be a speech that resonates with people, but that opens their minds to something. And I thought it, it's got to be quitting. You know, this is a concept that nobody else, aside from this one you know, podcast I heard, I, I just don't hear people talking about this enough. So for me, and as Scott, I'm sure you'll kind of bring up at different points in this conversation, <laughs> but I have quit several things in my life. One or two, one or yes, two. Yes. Yes. And, you know, when you list my resume of things that, that you um, did at the beginning, it sounds like, oh, she must have never quit anything. She must have started this path at seven years old and just trudged right through. And there's no other way you could get to wherever she is. And it's completely the opposite. If I hadn't quit things, I wouldn't be where I was, where I am. <laughs> it's it truly, you know, listed off that, uh, that laundry list of stuff. Uh, but it almost seems like you've quit almost all of those to some degree. And that's paved the way for other things. How, how would you put it? How do you, when you talk to people and, you know, you tell them about your past, how, how do you, how do you tell them about that? Um, the, the one thing that I guess I have quit, quit for, you know, like a, almost a hundred percent quit would be the fact that I started off, um, as a multimedia designer. Yeah. And that actually was after I had quit three other college majors. Uh, for essentially the same reason. I started off as a broadcast journalism major and I realized, no, nah, that's just, I wanted to be more behind the scenes than on camera. And it, you know, one thing led to another and I was a multimedia designer. Um, but as I said in my speech, that career, even though it was creatively fulfilling, it got very technical very quickly. You know, websites just went from 
basic old HTML to these Java monsters. And I yeah. just wasn't, I wasn't a programmer. And I, I had to stop and be like, man, I just did undergraduate. I was halfway through my graduate degree at the time. And I was at a job where I was actually employed as a multimedia designer, but I thought I am going to be the lowest person on every multimedia totem pole because I don't have these coding skills. And frankly, I, I took a class to try to get the coding skills. And it was somewhere in the middle of that class where I thought, oh, this is miserable. Like, this is not something that makes me happy. I'm very glad that it makes coders happy. I'm very glad somebody can do it. It just wasn't for me. And it was kind of that day when it was like, ooh, if I can't, if getting the skills required for me to go on in this career is miserable, then maybe that career is going to make me miserable and I'm going to have to do some thinking. So that's definitely the thing I've quit the most. Other things I've quit. Hold on. I want to ask you something about that really quick. Okay. So you realized at that point in time, or it sounds like not too long after you, you know, started taking that coding class, had that realization that, oh, you know, this may or may not be really what uh, what I'm after. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this if I don't really want the, the coding piece. You had, you had a conversation with your dad at some point after that. How, how long was that after that? And what, what was that conversation? Um, it was probably very quickly because I don't like when I have a gut feeling that that's strong. I examine it for a while, but I, I don't wait forever, you know, like yeah. it, life's too short to be unhappy. So I had a conversation pretty shortly with him after that. And my dad is a um, hard worker, but he was brought up in a family business of land surveying. And he essentially uh. did some other things in his life, but it was always expected that he had to keep that family business and he had to be a land surveyor. And he would tell me multiple times throughout my life, that wasn't what he chose. That's, that's not what he would be doing if he was given the choice again. And so I thought, you know, this, this may, um, this may be something that he has an open mind to, you know, even though he just, uh, thank you to him paid for my undergraduate education. I was, I was halfway through paying for grad school and I was like, this is, you know, I, I hope he doesn't take too much offense to the fact that I need to do more training, uh, et cetera, but he was very open to it. So he is open to it. What did you tell him you were going to do? I told him I was going to have to start thinking. I essentially just told him I wasn't happy um, that multimedia wasn't for me and that I was going to really explore. And I mean, I, the the sternest thing he said out of the entire conversation was like, well, make sure you really know what you want to do before you change courses again. You know, you've already <laughs> kind of waste. And it's funny because I think yeah. he might have said wasted uh, I, three years. My, my undergraduate was yeah. three years. And um, that stuck with me for a number of reasons, but, you know, obviously it puts some gravity in the situation. Like, nope, he's absolutely right. I have to do significantly more kind of legwork and thinking than I did prior. And obviously most of us choose a college major when we're, I mean, I started college at 17. Like what, what kind of world experience did I have to pick whatever I chose? Exactly. So this was the time to make more of an educated decision. And, and that's, that's what I got out of that initial conversation. It's okay to change, but let's put a lot of thought into it before you do. So, so what happened from there then? From there, um, you know, I, I kept uh, going to my job in multimedia and I kept brainstorming. I mean, I went everything from like, could I work at a florist to could I be a chiropractor? I, I, a lawyer popped in there at some point. And um, at the time I was a like competitive swing dancer. And my swing dance partner, and th- this is a strange story, but my swing dance partner was a urologist, uh, a resident at the time in urology. Yeah. And... I was around he and his other physician friends a lot. And so that was kind of um, something that came into my head. But I thought, oh, there are so many prerequisites to going to medical school. And medical school takes forever. And 
oh my goodness, like that's just, that's just too much. Um, but one night I stopped by the hospital to drop off something to him and he was in the middle. He was about to put in a chest tube into a patient. He was in the, working in the emergency department that night. Yeah. And he made this statement. He said, um, uh, if you don't faint easily, you can come watch this. And I was like, oh, sure. I hadn't fainted to that point in my life. So <laughs> I, went, I went back there and I saw him put it in and something just said like, I can do this. You can do this. You should do this. And um, that's what got started me, uh, started me on the road thinking about medicine. But like my dad said, you know, I had to do some due diligence. So I shadowed a ton of um physicians and what I had to do even before going to medical school is kind of the reverse from a lot, a lot of people is I wanted to make sure I knew what specialty I wanted to go into. A lot of people go into med school, open mind, let's see what I enjoy. And I was like, oh, no, open mind didn't work the first time. Let's try like having a very strict path to what I'm going to do. So I finally, you know, I, I found a sports medicine doctor and I shadowed him a lot. And I decided that was that was the next path. Let me cut in here. If you still don't know what it is that you want to be doing and you're still not doing work that uh, allows you to be able to leverage your strengths or you don't even know exactly what your strengths are, then you've got to check out our free email course that helps you figure out what it is that you want to do. We've had hundreds of people go through this course at this point and I've gotten numerous emails um, almost on a daily basis now uh, about people saying, hey, you know, I can't believe you don't charge for this. You should put a donation button on here, all kinds of stuff like that. But really what it does, it helps you uh, take some of that overwhelm that you're experiencing about all of those options out there and instead put it down on paper to get an idea of what you should be doing. All you have to do is be able to text HTYC to 38470. That's HTYC to 38470. Just follow the text and we'll get you enrolled. I am, you know, listening to to hear you say that in trying, in, and I know a little bit about, uh, you know, from some of the research and everything like that, I know a little bit about what happened from there, but I'm really curious, what is your perspective now? Because you've tried a whole bunch of different paths you're, you are using different pieces from a whole bunch of them, but right. you haven't, you know, I heard you say, Hey, uh, this, this really strict path versus this really open path versus, you know, all the things uh, that could be in between that, you know, what for somebody else who's, who's standing on the edge of that looking and saying, Hey, you know, do I, do I go into this stuff with an open mind or do I, you know, go into it with a very defined, well thought out uh, plan? You know, what, what advice would you give? Um, my advice is based on my current kind of outlook on life, which obviously, you know, I'm 37, it's changed significantly over the years. And I think this is the one that has worked the best for me. And it is based on like, follow your intuition and know what you love and know what you enjoy and know what you don't enjoy and what you don't plan to tolerate for your life and keep those things strict. And then know that the path to getting you to those things, um, leave that path open. Uh, for example, you know, I, in law school, when I, when I went to law school, I didn't have a specific thing I was going to do with this law degree. I had a thousand options. I could run for Senate. I could try to help human trafficking and write some legislation there. Yeah. I could do a health law. I could, there were so many things 
that a law degree is good for, even, a, you know, obviously even broader than medicine. Everybody needs a lawyer for something. Everybody needs a lawyer. Everybody. And so I just, I, I decided, you know, okay, I had just tried the, tried the strict path with the, you know, sports medicine or die for essentially, you know, a decade, you know, because medical school, I had to take some prereqs, did med school, did residency, then did fellowship. Yeah. So it totaled about a decade of work on this path with this sole focus and, and that, when that you have such a sole focus and it doesn't end up being exactly like the golden egg you thought it was, then you get very, you know, there's, there's some frustration and some kind of looking back, like, did I make wrong choices? And, and I decided, no, let's, let's try this a different path. I know that there are all these options with law and I'm going to go get the degree, but just keep focused on the fact that I know what kind of job would make me happy and what, what kind of characteristics of the job. So instead of focusing on that one job, focus on keeping a, like a, a solid knowledge of what you need to feel fulfilled in a job. So why do you think so many people miss that? Cause I mean, we, we literally have an entire class called figure out what fits that help people come to that conclusion throughout the course of the class. But the reason people need the class and are so interested in it in the first place is I think virtually everybody, including myself for many years, miss that exactly what you said. You said, Hey, you know, know what you love, understand the things that are going to help you help you stay in, in that and experience those pieces, but be open to, I sort of heard be open to how you do that. Exactly. And that's, that's not very common advice. So, so why do you think that is? Why do you think everyone misses that? And, and I, I think the reason may be that they haven't quit a bunch of things. And, and the reason I say that is because everything that I've quit, obviously I learned from, you know, uh, I did multimedia. I learned what things I loved about it. Okay. I love that there was creativity. I did not love staring at a computer screen in a dark room for, you know, eight to 10 hours a day. And then I went on to medicine and I realized, okay, I like these aspects and I don't like these aspects. And if you, you know, a lot of people, they, they get their undergraduate degree, they go, into their first job and then they stay there for a long period of time. And all that tells you is maybe what you didn't like about that one job or what you did like about that one job. But that may not be a large enough data set for you to kind of round out, okay, this is the kind of thing that would make me happy. It just tells you like maybe you worked in a cubicle for six years and you're like, okay, just don't want to work in a cubicle or just don't want to work for a big corporation. But it may not give you enough data points on the opposite end of this I really liked about it. Okay, I I, I want to find a job that it does entail these skills. And I think that that it, it's either that people haven't had enough jobs, haven't quit enough jobs, or maybe just haven't spent enough time thinking about it or listening to their intuition about it. Because you know, when I start to think about, and even throughout law school, I considered certain internships or not, and I would just get a very uh, deep seated feeling one way or the other, and I. I just would follow that. And I realized that that intuition is going to lead me to the right position. So I got to tell you that I, I didn't realize how much we have in common when we got on this, on this call. <laughs> um, I've heard that same Freakonomics episode and you know, people, since, since I have a podcast, people ask me what podcasts I listen to all the time. And Freakonomics is one of the ones that I do not miss. It's probably one of the only ones that I don't miss. In fact, 
So nice. absolutely love it. Huge, huge uh, Stephen Levin, Stephen Dubner fan. But, yes. Uh, so I heard that same episode. I had a lot of the same thoughts that it sounds like you did. And partially because I have this very same quitting background that uh, that I don't know if I would have called it that before I, I heard that episode and am listening to you talk about it now. But I, what I'm really, really interested in, though, in listening to you say this is how has that helped you now in terms of what, uh, what are you, you know, what you're doing right now? How does that line up with what you want? It's, it's perfect. And uh, as I said, when I made that speech, which was December 13th of last year, I didn't have this position. I think I made that speech on a Saturday and I think I got this position or found this opportunity maybe two days later. Um, And in the speech, you hear me say that I don't even know what I'm going to do with my law degree, but I assume I will be combining my law degree and my medical degree into doing some kind of consulting position that I love. And that was just kind of in my head. I thought I want to combine these two, but I, I kept referring in my head back to this chart I had seen online posted two or three times and it's a Venn diagram. I'm sure you've <laughs> I may seen have it, seen it. Right. It, it's, I wish I had it in front of me so I could quote the four portions correctly, but it's like one section is what you're good at. And one section is what you can make money at. And one section is what would help the world. And one section is like what you enjoy. And the, the intersection of those four, it, it was labeled your calling. And I just kept thinking, you know, I've, I've been through enough career transitions I've had enough jobs. I want to find this calling. And I really could not think of something that fit perfectly into that Venn diagram until the opportunity that I got um, arose. And I thought, oh my gosh, this, this, this fits in the calling. Like, and that's how I knew that just having believed all during law school that I was going to stick to my guns and find something. And just, I didn't worry about it. I didn't do a big career search. I just thought like, this is going to come to me and it's going to come organically. And it totally did. Um, yeah. Maybe you want me to say what I'm doing now. So it's I, less <laughs> cryptic. No, let's keep building the suspense. Okay, fantastic. <laughs> no, please uh, tell us a little bit about what it is that you're doing now. I know of, I know a tiny bit, but you know, for everybody else's benefit too. Sure. Okay. Um, currently, I'm working as a COO for a company called Medtico International. And um, just FYI, we are thinking of changing the name because we are pivoting to make a whole new platform. And that's what I have been brought on to help with. Uh, Medtico has been working for eight years in medical tourism. And medical tourism has kind of, uh, you know, people either don't know what it is, or they have seen one episode on you know something in Thailand, and they don't have a great idea. But Basically, what it was was that uh, my business partner, his father is a physician, and they would have patients at the office that could not afford surgeries in the U.S., say a knee replacement. You know, uh, somebody had been uh, had a pre-existing condition, no longer had insurance, needed a knee replacement. It's sixty grand or so in Arizona. They found board-certified, um, U.S.-trained, often physicians that are at uh, Joint Commission International Certified Hospitals in Mexico, and they could do it for 15000 
And so that's the kind of thing that Medigo has been facilitating for eight years. But just like other medical tourism companies, all of it has been offline, meaning that somebody would call uh, Bobby, my business partner, and then he would give them some options and they would say, okay, how about that option? And then he just became essentially the middleman trying to communicate between the doctor and the patient, setting everything up, which worked fine, but it's not a scalable system. Yeah, And he could only help one person at a time and at max two or three a month because it was just such a, a time-consuming, tedious procedure. And uh, one day he thought, this is before I came on, he, you know, he looked at Airbnb and that kind of model where a platform allows people who own homes and people who would like to rent homes to connect each other without this active participation of a facilitator. Same with um, Kayak. You know, when you used to need a travel agent, no longer. You have the platform of Kayak that gets you a flight, a hotel, everything you need. Connects that said, supply and demand. Exactly. In and he unique said, way. Yeah. He said, we need, nobody's applying this to medical tourism. We need to do this. And um, what actually happened, if, if listeners need any more reason to follow their intuition, um, I had met my business partner two times in person. One was at a yoga festival and one was at Burning Man. And uh, at some point, you know, Facebook friended him, had never had a conversation with him more than three minutes. I didn't have any idea what he did for a living. And he posted something on Facebook just about, oh, look, Skype has this new translation technology. This should really help when I talk to doctors. And like my ears perked up and I was like, well, what does this guy do? And so I went to his website and I looked at what he did and I just wrote him out of the blue. You know, I hadn't seen him in six months, wrote him an email uh, through Facebook and just said, um, I love what you're doing. And if you need a doctor lawyer, let me know. <laughs> and within five minutes we were on the phone and that's how this all started. And he said, I didn't know I needed a doctor lawyer, but uh, yes, I do. And because I, part of, part of when I went into law school was a desire to change the healthcare system. My parents were uninsured my entire life. There were a lot of, um, you know, my, my dad ended up having a facial cancer that I tried to remove by myself in a hotel room at some point, you know, during my residency training, because we couldn't find anybody who would do it for a charity case and he didn't have the money to pay for it. And I've, you know, that stuck with me forever. And I'm like, I need to change healthcare. But as I went through law school, I'm like, politics is too divisive. Politics is not the way to go about it. And I realized this is the way to go about it. Like this system, if I can help build this system with Bobby, then this allows people like my father to find affordable surgical solutions. This is the change healthcare needs, you know, change it from the outside. And then, then the, the laws will have to change accordingly. So that's, that's why I realized, oh my gosh, this is something I'm passionate about. It's something I can use all of my skills for, even down to my multimedia skills because it's online. Um, and it's something that would help others and something I would be good at. It, was, it, it just fit right into that, that center of what was supposed to be my calling. So the interesting thing about listening to you tell that story and also the interesting thing, you know, hearing other similar stories where people find and identify with what they would consider their calling is that it doesn't, you, you can't really, and it sounds like you too, very much experience this. You can't really anticipate exactly what it is and exactly, and fit it into that very strict box of it's going to be this job title and this particular blah, blah, blah. And it, it sort of once you figure out what it is that uh, that you want, and once you have a good understanding of what you're great at, and you're looking, and you're very actively looking and open to those possibilities, then it can actually show up. Is is That's what I'm 100%. hearing you say? 
Yes, I couldn't agree more. That's exactly it. But that's totally the opposite of the way that uh, almost everybody looks at it. <laughs> right. What color is your parachute? Okay, exactly. We found the color. Okay, go do it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally agreed. Um, funny thing, I totally forgot to turn off my uh, my phone and it buzzed and it said, Stitcher, Freakonomics Radio has a new episode for you. Don't miss it. <laughs> you said I would never. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, um, I, I'm... Totally fascinated by by your story because, it, well, for all the reasons that I stated so far. But another thing that I really wanted to ask you about was this uh, this concept of I'm trying to think even what to call it. I'm struggling for you've got me struggling for words. That's how <laughs> that's how fascinated I am. Um, well, you know, let's go down let's go down this road. I. Uh, I am really curious, you know, as you've, as you've talked about all of these different experiences, and you've talked a little bit about your dad, but are there other people in your life who have had a really big impact on you? Because I, I, I've seen over and over again that typically people, one, don't do this alone. And then two, uh, there's typically lots of experiences along the way that, that come from other people. So I'm really curious who in your life has had the biggest impact on you. Hmm. Uh, that's... I, well, like you said, my father and uh, also my mother, because never once, uh, aside from, like I said, my dad's quasi stern warning of, you know, let's be sure we check this out. They never questioned me. I mean, to quasi walk away from medicine, which I, I mean, I haven't, I'm still practicing, but to do such a pivot and go to law school or to up and quit multimedia and decide I was going to become a doctor. Some of these things sound a little bit out outrageous to the average person. And my yeah. parents just didn't blink an eye. And my dad just was a huge fan of education. And the more of it I got, the happier he was. He, he didn't care as, you know, like <laughs> granted, I, I have significant educational debt from, from med school. So it's not without cost, um, which is, you know, something you should factor in. And I would be happy to have a conversation with any of your listeners at, you know, any point via email or whatever, if they're considering med school or law school. Hundred um, percent, because you know that's it's definitely a cost benefit ratio. But I just love that I, I've thanked them for that over and over. Like I know some of my ideas have sounded kind of crazy from time to time. Thank you for never giving me any self doubt. You know, like if I didn't have any doubt, I sure didn't get any from them. I didn't wasn't given any reason to. Um, and then I guess externally, I uh, recall having a conversation with uh, a friend of mine. Her name is Elizabeth Lamson. And she'd been a, a, not a career counselor, but kind of like a recruiter, I think. And she just happened to, we ha had coffee one day right after I got back from Burning Man, <laughs> incidentally. And she just, I told her like, you know, it's, I'm finishing up law school. It's time to me to start thinking about what I want. And she said, get a list, you know, written or in your head or otherwise of exactly what you want. And she didn't mean what position. She meant characteristics, just like we were talking about. Yeah. And she said, and just don't let that go focus on that, you know, and, and I'm kind of a hippie. Um, yeah, obviously the burning man thing might've been your first clue, <laughs> but, um, you know, I'm like a very professional hippie, but you know, I believe that there is some, uh, merit to, you know, manifesting what you want and you have to know what that is before you can manifest it. But like you said, not what exactly it looks like in, in job opening form. It, it's what the characteristics are and know what characteristics you want 
focus on those so that when the opportunity does arise, you, you recognize those characteristics in it and you can go for it. Out of the blue question, but have you ever done visioning or do you know what visioning is? No. So the short explanation is, and I was just curious, just because you're describing a lot of things that are similar to visioning, but um, lots of lots of leaders and millionaires use visioning, and really, what it is, it's looking, you know, five or ten years in the future, and not not de- similar to what we were just talking about, not describing exactly what type of job you you know have or something along those lines, but instead describing what your life is going to be like. Yeah, and you know, in down to the, some of the smallest details, like how the things that are going on make you feel five or ten years in the future, and you know what what your morning routine might be like as you wake up and, you know, some very large to, you know, how much money is in your bank account to all of these other things. And, you know, I have, I've seen a lot of evidence and I've started using this more recently in the last, uh, last year. And it's, it seems to be very, very powerful. So I was just curious if, uh, one of you used it and it doesn't sound like, uh, like you have, but, uh, you might check it out. You might, uh, being the self-described hippie that you are and right. having some of the philosophies that you do, I think you'd find some benefit from it. No, I absolutely, I absolutely do. I think that that's definitely just kind of an extension of the manifesting. It's just um, more of a, okay, let's manifest down to, the, down to the detail and down to the feeling. And I love that. That's fantastic. The closest thing I've done to that was this, I, I found this guided meditation online. Oh, yeah? It's like, rock star meditation or something. And I was like, well, I just, the, the name's too good. Let's try this. And, <laughs> and, and it definitely described that. It was like, picture you in your happiest self. And it just went, it, it kind of guided you through like, how do you feel? What do you look like? What are you doing that day? And I, I only did that meditation once, but I distinctly remember everything that I thought in it. And as I try to build my life, I'm like, okay, remember that, that that's the picture that you thought would make you happy. So it's, it's kind of a, a similar. So I'm going to yeah, yeah, look yeah. more into that. Interesting. Well, hey, I, I just realized that this conversation has flown by and we are just about out of time. I uh, I really, really appreciate you making the time. And I know that uh, we rescheduled once or twice and I'm really glad that uh, that we could make it work and getting on the getting on the phone, the old Skype here. And yeah, you know, very much appreciate that. But for those people that uh, that want to talk to you about uh, about taking on yeah, you know, high school or not high school, college or graduate <laughs> degree debt. Yeah, high school debt. <laughs> I, I highly recommend going to high school. <laughs> yeah, but uh, you know, how, how can they find you? How can they reach out to you? What's what's the best way to do that? Um, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, I am also on Facebook. Those are two kind of easy routes. Um, and I think yeah, either of those ways. Uh, my name is Lynn Marie Morsky, as I'm sure the show notes will say. Um, LinkedIn's a great way. Uh, it's super nerdy, but that's, <laughs> I've realized that that's where this new tech space I'm in. Everybody's LinkedIn. Everybody's on LinkedIn. It's just, it's just a thing. Yes. <laughs> um, but you know, Facebook, um, shoot me a message and I'm sure I'm, uh, I'm guessing that I can probably give you an email that they could put in the show notes. If this is not your first episode of the Happen to Your Career podcast, you've probably heard somebody on here that their first step to work that they absolutely love that fits their strengths and they're excited about was going through our free eight day mini course to figure out what fits you. And 
We've had now well over 30,000 people have that as their beginning step to identifying what they want in their lives. And you can do the exact same thing. And if you're interested in that, it asks some really amazing questions to get you started in becoming clear on what you want and what you need in your career. And it's a great way to kick it off and determine what is most important for you moving forward. You can learn what you're great at so you can stop wasting time in your job and start working in your career. Uh, Even identify some of the internal blockages that are keeping you from fulfilling work and wealth and career success and begin narrowing down what you should be doing for work that's fulfilling to you. All you have to do is go to figureitout.co, that's figureitout.co, and get started today. Enter your email and voila, we'll send you the very first lesson. Head on over there, figureitout.co. Or you can text HAPPEN to 44222. That's H-A-P-P-E-N to 44222. Here's a sneak peek into what we have coming up in store for you next week. I started this job and it was it was about two years in and I, I realized that while, while it was a very good job with good people, it didn't fit my values. All that and plenty more next week right here on Happen to Your Career. Make sure that you don't miss it. And if you haven't already, click subscribe on your podcast player so that you can download this podcast in your sleep and you get it automatically. Even the bonus episodes every single week, sometimes multiple times a week. Until next week, adios. I'm out. Talk to us about Burning Man. <laughs> um, Burning Man. It's well, what, what does Burning Man mean to you? I'm it, I'm curious. It's it means I'd think I'd say freedom. If I had to sum it up in one word, um, it means that you can go somewhere for one week a year, and you're just free from the bounds of societal norms. And prior to going to Burning Man, there were a lot of societal norms that always frustrated me. Like this, this doesn't make any sense. You know, for I mean. This is way too candid, but for example, how can you go out in a bikini that is next to nothing, but you know somebody comes out in regular underwear and that's somehow scandalous? Like Isn't things that like that <laughs> never made any sense to me. And so, Burning Man, you know, norms are just out the window, and it's replaced essentially by kind of golden rule type things like don't hurt anybody else, pick up after yourself, just basic things that make everybody have a great time and let you be whoever you are. And I just think it's something everybody should do once, probably twice in your life. Um, If anybody's interested, there's a video you should uh, check out on YouTube called Charlie Goes to Burning Man. And it's about an 80-something-year-old gentleman who went for his first time. And it, it shows you it's not just some kind of, you know, whatever people think, a music festival or a, a drug-filled orgy. It's none of those things. I mean, well, it can be those things. But in addition, it can be a real <laughs> life-changing a growth experience for anybody who's there and consciously there and paying attention and, and really open to the experience.